you don't have to know how to make a movie. If you truly love cinema with all your heart and with enough passion, then you can't help but make a good movie. Hey, welcome to CC Talk Talk, a podcast where we see and talk about life and the stories through games, books, songs, but mostly movies. We will geek out about the stories we love and hate, delving into what makes them great. Sometimes we'll talk about the industry as a whole, all its blessings and woes. Other times we do reviews, maybe even cover some news. We are no experts on films, but we are super passionate and have the heart to feel. So stay a while and listen, maybe join in the conversation. You can find us on most social media platforms and nearly everywhere podcasts are found. I'm Jovilo, and here we go. So okay, today's our first episode ever. I hope the rhyme makes up for my <laughs> extremely monotone voice. Apologies for the quality because we are... The mic is on the way. <laughs> we'll get there. Just really want to start things because I run an indie private cinema in Damansara in Malaysia and I've had conversations about films with a lot of people and it's really sad that sometimes these conversations are not heard and no one's talking about it. It really should be shared because there are so many people who are passionate about movies and the industry. So I really felt like this is something we really wanted to do. Um, apologies for the quality again And if we swear a little bit Well, we're just going to express ourselves lah, okay <laughs> So, we are unscripted Meaning we are not professionals at this uh, No experience We just really feel like this should be shared And, um, and this conversation is worth having So, to start things off Today with me, uh, I have He used to be a customer Then he became a regular And now he's a friend He's Dalton How do you do? <laughs> I met him because he came to my indie cinema one day and well, the best way I can describe him is that he watches more hours of movies than he has in his life. He has an entire library of movies in his head and he can recall scenes very accurately. He is a cinephile, uh, probably one of the, the most cinephile person I've ever known, definitely more than me. I picked up a lot of movies from him and uh, know-how of the industry. So. Yeah, he will be joining me today in this episode as we try to start things on the right foot. <laughs> so, Dalton, I think today we it's a good way for people because we're going to talk about movies, right? right? And when we discuss about movies, I think it's good that people have a certain context of where we are coming from, our tastes, our influences, uh, matters because I mean. Movies, stories, you know, books, games, they're all subjective at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've talked to you about this so much during our time, the last two years. And uh, one thing is very important to know is that why you like something and maybe how you started liking something really matters. Because something that is nice, maybe a movie that is great to someone, can be really horrible to another. So I think it's a great way to provide our um, you listeners... There are any <laughs> uh, some context on where we are coming from, especially when we are reviewing or critiquing or maybe just loving a movie. Sometimes you might disagree, we might disagree with you, but hey, it's all subjective at the end of the day, right? I mean, but there are some really bad, bad, bad movies. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> more than I can count. So okay, I think to to just get things going. After like four minutes, <laughs> I think uh, I will just bring you in. Uh, um, maybe share with us top three favorite movies. I know it's really hard. Uh, I just had this question top asked three. recently. <laughs> yeah, top three. Uh, maybe with a why. I mean, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but maybe just your top three movies for a certain reason. Maybe it changed the way you think, or your favorite childhood movie. 
could be just like Power Rangers. Doesn't Maybe matter. I can talk about three movies that actually like influence me at, le- at least on, on my taste uh, yeah. growing up. Obviously, the first movie that I remember watching was Jaws, and that left me a big impact on my childhood. Like you know, I was what four or five years old the first time I saw it, and at first I was thinking this is like some sort of B grade horror movie. <laughs> at first, I didn't really know the impact it had among how do you say, like the mass consensus at the time. Yeah. But you know, as time grew on, I found myself more enthralled by it. it, it had something I realized later it had a very large rewatchable factor and I just uh, got into it you know I wanted to know well, what what is this you know it's like a book but it's in audio and vi- visual form you watched it in the cinemas? no no no, no. I watched it on TV back, okay. back then it came out on Astro not Astro uh, Astro didn't come out at the time but <laughs> you know on TV 1, TV 2 like, they would show classic movies sometimes so even at a young age it caught your attention yeah it caught my attention because it was like you, you don't it, it's not every day you see like a shark jump onto a boat yeah. so <laughs> you know, back, like, back then yeah and back then and you know Steven Spielberg he was what 29, 30 when he made the movie so it's like I didn't I didn't know who directed it at the time I was like wow this is a, it's a shark and you know three guys are trying to stop it one's a cop one's a scientist and yeah. one's a sailor and I get that the scientist was very smart his tactics failed the sailor was a little bit too rough he failed too so the cop who was inexperienced like even if you didn't really understand the words that they were saying because I was like four at the yeah. time I knew what was going on yeah. like, and he used the best of both there was a balance and you know he used it to outwit the shark okay. I'm gonna yeah. make you take one step further like, I'm gonna ask you how how do you watch it like I'm as a four, four year old yeah it, yeah. I'm pretty sure you, you were not the one who clicked on the channel and selected oh, Jaws no, to no. watch <laughs> so like was it your dad or my dad. brother or by accident my dad my dad he you know he's a he, I can say that because of him I love movies uh, okay. you know he used to watch all these classic western movies back in the day those with uh, especially Clint Eastwood like he was a big Clint Eastwood fan and also sometimes sometimes John Wayne he's not too big on John Wayne as, as other western fans yeah. but yeah Gary Cooper James Stewart all the, the old guy like, you know those names that I'm not familiar yeah, with <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be very way, way before anyone's time so yeah I started watching those like I mean right after Jaws I remember watching you know, John Wayne yeah. Gary Cooper High Noon those kind of stuff uh, then he you know he basically wrote me into it every Saturday, Sunday, every weekday afternoon. Okay. Like he, we would just sit down and watch whatever was on TV too. Yeah. And then, okay, and this is going to be a little bit funny, but after Westerns came the uh, the action movie crowd. Yeah. So we're talking about... I think everyone had that moment yeah, during the 90s. The, uh, when I was like growing up <laughs> in kindergarten, that's when the whole like old school action yeah. stuff now came yeah. on, like Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Willis... That's how they first got on. The action movies of the 90s were the Marvel movies of today. Yeah. Right? They were the blockbusters, the movies that everyone would flock to. They were huge. Yeah. They were huge. I mean, they made, what, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, the big ones, especially with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So they were, like, larger than life personalities, and even they, like, clashed outside of the set. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether I mean, it was also I guess a today show. a good comparison for the younger listeners would be Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> oh my god, what a comparison! Yeah, because The Rock and, and um, who was the guy who played Dom 
ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディーズ、ビンディ
or no, not really want to. I don't really want it explained to me, but I want to see. I want to feel more of it. Holy shit, dude! This yeah. at the age of, at the PMR age, I yeah. <laughs> and, okay, how many times have you went back to explore two thousand one space or the sea since I, then? I lost count. <laughs> okay, then I, maybe I the a better <laughs> question would be: At what age, or roughly the how many times you've watched it, where you finally felt like you might have. A stronger grasp at what he's trying to portray. I know the what the movie is. I know it's really a, a subjective, crazy art film that probably has no um, direct meaning. But probably at what age that you felt that you had an idea or an understanding of what he might have been trying to say with the show. That will probably be when I was in the SPM time during a. But just only two years later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, that, like I said, that opened the floodgates for me to watch more serious stuff. Okay. So I explored all of whatever I can get on for Stanley Kubrick's works. I explored Coen Brothers. I explored uh, Martin Scorsese. My God, at so, that age. Yeah, yeah. Because like, wow. Like, over the world, Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. My friend recommended it to me at, while I was in this phase, and I just watched all of his films since, like, until. You know, SPM came. <laughs> I watched Pulp Fiction last year, dude. <laughs> okay, okay, that's great. So I had this like it. It got my addiction to all these movies. I mean, good, bad doesn't matter. My addiction became so heightened to the fact that I actually saved up recess money, and I would just like whatever I had, I would go to a DVD store, pirated or original doesn't matter. I would just buy whatever I feel interests me, especially if it's coming from one of the directors I'm interested in. My God, uh, you <laughs> put, put it to, to explain it to you at from five or from three during PMR and SPM, I was probably looking forward to the next Power Rangers movie <laughs> that I could get my hands on. <laughs> okay, is this crazy that you watch all these films if, if it makes at you such feel, a young age? If it it's amazing. You, if, if it makes you feel better, around the same time, I was still watching the Pokemon anime. It's <laughs> great, and you can't deny it. Some of them are really good. Uh, yeah. It's just a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, also one more thing that spearheaded Space Odyssey, like the the philosophy of Space Odyssey yeah. for me, uh, was indirectly thanks to Neon Genesis Evangelion. Ah, uh, but yeah. even at that age, yeah, because <laughs> I have because I have a friend, <laughs> I have a friend who is to anime what I am to movies. So okay. he pushed, yeah, so yeah. he basically recommended stuff to yeah. each other all the time. So he would push really good animes uh, to me, and I would push really good movies to him, and we sort of have this like amalgamation. Of uh, sort of like a film anime appreciation yeah. culture around me and my friends. We'll, we'll do yeah. an episode on Evangelion because I know that is one anime series that, as you grow older and you realize what the artist was going through behind the scenes, the, the whole perception of oh, the yeah. show just changes. So that is a story yeah, that, for another day. That is a rabbit hole that <laughs> yes. needs an episode by itself. Yeah, so many articles <laughs> out there. So okay, uh, I'm gonna share what my top three are. Uh, it's gonna be a far cry from what he just said <laughs> in terms of quality films. Don't, don't, don't. I, I, again, like you said, it's subjective. Yeah. Everybody has their I own reasons so. that impacts them, right? So and I guess um, if you want to follow chron- chronologically, like what he did, I guess the first movie that probably had a really strong impact on me. I mean, I I can't even say for sure that at the age before my teenage years, I don't think I watched movies like how. Uh, they're supposed to feel, especially like what he has, uh, Dalton has expressed. Because for me, when I was that young, it was just all f- just like oh, for fun, and it's just pure entertainment to me back then. But I guess that one show that 
maybe sort of planted the seed for me to grow and appreciate more probably be Toy Story I think good movie yeah uh, aside that it's an animation right the story there and the values that they share it's just amazing and I think even at such a young age before I could even understand about life I think when, when Dalton was watching Space Odyssey all I cared about was like the cheat code to get my Sims character more money <laughs> to build a house I'm not even joking about this uh. so I mean I guess even at that age when I couldn't comprehend you know, the meaning of life and uh, sci-fi concepts Toy Story hit a note with me and uh, like today if I ever think back on why I still haven't chose certain toys in my room it's because of Toy Story and sometimes when I even have to pack them up because you know it's collecting dust and all that I actually look at my toys and still feel like oh man they're going to hate me if I put them in a box in a story it's because of Toy Story so it really had a lasting impact on me uh, with Toy Story la. that really did happen though in the third movie so. yeah you see so it really scarred me like uh, uh, I just cannot explain that my attachment to certain toys that I have is really strong la, because of Toy Story <laughs> genuinely it's because of Toy Story yeah I guess the second movie I, I mentioned this in another podcast I did with uh, the Ming Ting and their Blank Slate show but I never go into detail why will be Law of the Wings um, yeah, wow. yeah. This one, yes, I can add. Uh, yes, <laughs> now I can. I feel like I'm at a level with Dalton right now. I think that the Fellowship of the Rings came out during from four or from five. Uh, I can't remember the years and all, but yeah, you can Google that. But I remember very strongly because that year, SPM is a really big exam, right? You're supposed to mm-hmm. enter college and university after that, and I was really bad at my studies. I could only get an A for my maths because A, I'm Chinese. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't really get anything I was failing quite a lot and then my parents were really worried because I can pass maths and that's about it even my English was a C or B at the best yeah so until one day my friend got really hyped up about this movie called Law of the Rings I had no idea what is it about I went to watch with him in the cinemas and it just oh, holy shit it blew my mind and I remember very 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 strongly that when I stepped out of the hall talking to myself I said that if this came from a book I'm going to start reading books and that just set me off I started reading books first book I really fell in love with is Animals it's a sci-fi book about alien invasion and teenagers changing into animals to fight back it's going to be a series soon <laughs> yeah it's actually really good for like YA stories and since then um, I started picking up reading and writing and hey right now I'm a writer so you can see that how much a lot of the rings has uh, influenced me I read almost exclusively sci-fi and fantasy, uh, that's it. I tried reading <laughs> other type of books, it's not for me. So yeah, a lot of the things really changed uh, my absorption of stories and which, media. Which, which movie was that you saw the first one? Fellowship of the Rings. Fellowship of the yeah. Wow, you started yeah. from the get-go. Yeah, Fellowship of the Rings just blew my mind. Because I, like I said before, these movies for me was just pure entertainment <laughs> explosions. Then suddenly right. Fellowship of the Rings, half the movie was just them getting from the Shire to the Elven Forest. I'm sorry if you're a fan and you hate that I don't know the name, but I can't remember the name of the forest. But I know the details. And yeah, I, I've never watched a movie that talks so much, moves at such a slow pace, and I love every moment of it. I, I didn't think it was slow paced at all, actually. It's like, there's, there's a lot of dialogue, but all of it is involving. Yeah, like, you engaging. Know, yeah, it's engaging. You really get lost in the world that Tolkien created. Mm-hmm. Peter Jackson's adaptation was just amazing. And then I remember, back to back, right, the movies came out every Christmas. Yeah. And then the next year, Two Towers came out, and that was 
more on the action oh, yeah, side of things. Holy shit, the, the Helm's Deep action sequence. <laughs> when the Uruk High marched up to the gates and then they were like shouting and the rain started pouring. See, I can't remember the names, but I can remember the You details. remember the sequence? Yeah. and oh, yeah, that, That's something very hard to get rid of, you know, if it left an impact on you. Yeah. So you don't necessarily remember the details, yeah. but you do remember the pattern of it. Yeah. I, I can remember that even when the when Uruk-hai's uh, ah, that's the name I remember <laughs> when Uruk-hai's marched up and then Theoden stands there and says in a really mocking way like this is all you have Saruman and I was like whoa what is this what is this yeah and it just really left an impact and then the explosion on the Helm's Deep the wall of Helm's Deep it's just crazy uh, yeah Lord of the Rings man I, I think I, I watched it another four more times later this is where you got me beat because Lord of the Rings okay I never really got into Lord of the Rings until my near the end of my high school time ah. yeah because I'm more of a I mean from my days yeah. that I'm more of a classic maybe personally neo-noir yeah. kind of guy yeah. Uh, yeah, it's totally different so my friend was the same person who actually recommended me pop fiction by okay. the way so he told me to get my ass to next to, to the television just to see Lord of the Rings I'm like okay you know, I never really had the time until I bought the extended edition DVDs yeah. from Thailand. So yeah. That's why it was on a discount. Like, mm, <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, sure, why not? You know, just buy it. And I at first I thought, okay, I'm just gonna see the first half and then save it for later. I ended up finishing the trilogy in less than two days. That, the extended trilogy That's why I always say that <laughs> You watch more movies Than you have hours In your life for I know but That's just like That was one of the few uh, Instances I actually regretted uh, Not watching this In the cinema Because like Wow great, Such man. a great I, I don't consider them Three movies I consider it, All of them together As one movie I think Excellent for, Now that you said that I think this is The first time I ever Said this to you or Actually this is the first time That I recall this In such a long time I think when I watched Two towers in the cinemas. That was probably the first time during the Helm's Deep battle. I actually had a moment where I paused and I just looked around me in the cinema and everyone was just stunned and <laughs> in awe of what they were watching. And this is the first time I realized like the power of cinema. cinema. Yes. That was the first time I think I really they were felt all it. struck. They were yeah. like swept up in the hundred percent. That that's the power of good cinema. You know? yeah. Same thing happened to me with the three movies I mentioned. Same yeah. thing happened with you with Lord of the Rings, especially. Well, of course, Return of the King is the best segment of it. No denying that. <laughs> so okay, uh, moving on to my last third one, and oh my god, it's already so much time. See, that's why I say we're not professionals. We need to time this better. Lord of the Rings. But it's okay. <laughs> uh, the third one, I guess, will be the movie that really opened my eyes to what um movies can be. I've talked to Dalton a lot of times about this and it's The Prestige uh, Christopher Nolan's The Prestige oh, okay. yeah. I can remember very strongly that I had no idea what is it about I had no idea who Nolan was back then I think I was in college maybe 22 or 23 I really can't remember mm-hmm. but it was in my little room my dorm room <laughs> and I was like you know because I like Scarlett Johansson I like her voice and then I was like yeah sure she's in this movie called The Prestige and Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman was a thing back then so I just mm-hmm. plug it in and I watch it I never watched a plot twist movie or like a plot driven movie ah, before. Okay. Never. Maybe I did, but like I said, I, I wasn't there to at a level where I could appreciate them yet. Mm-hmm. So Prestige just blew my mind, especially when at the ending, when they reveal that what Michael Caine narrated at the beginning about the prestige, the magic trick has three steps. 
And then when it came to my mind how that beginning has wrapped up the whole movie, it was all there for you to see, but you just didn't know until the end when it was revealed. Holy shit, I remember in the, on my bed, on my crappy laptop back then, <laughs> on my really bad headphones back then, and I was just, when the movie ended, I just was, what? I didn't move. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> and, I, and back then, there's no internet to Google what happened, there's no YouTube. Uh, YouTubers right. talk about the movie Oh my god That was the movie that Really showed me that Movies can be so much more than just Entertainment and uh, Glorious Epics It could just be about Two men uh, Trying to Outmuscle each another In a very uh, Extraordinary way it, it, The whole movie was a magic trick Yeah You know Literally Literally a literally magic trick a magic you fell for it But you enjoyed the ride yeah. That's what cinema is all about Oh my god And, and to explain <laughs> that To to people who Don't get it Oh my gosh <laughs> like, like like what Delton said It's a magic trick Not just the story itself But the movie itself As a movie Was a magic trick oh, It's just amazing mm. So yeah. That was the first time Okay after the prestige And Batman Begins Which came out When I was in high mm. school and then the Dark Knight, that was when, you know, people, like, at least my age, started talking about movie directors more often. Yeah, the Nolan, name Nolan yeah. kept coming up after yeah. this, you know. Uh, of course, Prestige is a pretty good film, actually yeah. very good film, yeah. in fact. But, you know, the Dark Knight, that was... Oh, now that you brought up the Dark Knight, yeah. the Dark Knight was the first movie I went back twice to the cinemas for. <laughs> I've never done it before. I wanted to do it for Lord of the Rings, but you know, back then, time on budget is three school. hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the Dark Knight, I had to do it twice in the cinemas. Man. Yeah, you couldn't believe oh, what you were seeing. Shit, right? man. <laughs> I, but I guess a lot of it was Heath Ledger rocking it as the Joker. Yeah, of course. Uh, we're not taking anything away from the rest of the cast. Heath, yeah, Heath, of course. Heath Ledger was excellent, but uh, it's not just Heath Ledger. It's also you know Nolan's yeah. ha- uh, hand in the story yeah. and the directing. Yeah. Like he's act- he's telling an actual tragedy. Yeah. He's not just telling something yes. straight out of a comic book. Correct. He's adapting it and he's making it cinematic. Yes. Especially the the ending when you have to decide between the two boats. He yeah. in a lot of superhero movies they just the end the end bit will be a huge action set piece. But Nolan was like, screw that. We're just gonna have yeah. two people deciding whether to bomb each other, and that's it. A morality play. Yeah. And the bomb doesn't even explode. It's an action movie, a uh, superhero action movie. There's, there's no explosions. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. But okay, that's also another conversation yeah, for another time. Nolan's because I think we can go a full episode <laughs> just talking about Nolan and probably just the Dark Knight. But yeah, um, another thing that I, I forgot to share earlier is that. Uh, Dalton studied in America, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And he was there to experience the Chicago movie scene, which is yeah. the grassroots of quite a lot of American cinema. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that maybe it's a really good time for him to share about his experience there, about Americans, how they behave with cinema just around the corner. It's not like in Malaysia where we take it as a entertainment or like, oh, a weekend family outing or a date night. Mm-hmm. Over there, they really breathe and they bleed cinema, right? Yeah. So I think it would be really interesting that Delton can share with us a little bit. Well, well like you said, uh, Chicago is a place like that full of uh, movie lovers it's yeah. also a place that has quite a lot of filmmakers as well storytellers yeah. people who aspire to not necessarily act in the movie but also you know write direct their own uh, stuff and 
there's plenty of reputed say film schools within the area yeah. so sometimes you'll be competing to see which uh, area would get <laughs> would be how do you say that secured for filming la. and I think it's yeah. more driven and more more motivated the people right, there yeah. they really leave it because I mean being in America you have the opportunity you actually have a real opportunity to make it big mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so I mean the film industry in America of course uh, arguably still is the biggest in, yeah. uh, in the world uh, not the amount of movies that come out but the craft of it yeah. America is still number one uh, and Chicago as of late I think it wasn't really that popular of a filming location and as like say a setting of a film until the 80s onwards before that it was like oh Chicago you know just like any other stuff people would use any other big city like most Hollywood studios would prefer to film in either New York or Los Angeles of course that's where the cinema boom yeah. would be you know but I think after the 80s, especially I think the 70s, especially after the Blues Brothers came out, mm. Chicago just boomed up as a filmmaking hub. Jazz so, also, right? Jazz also. Jazz was, jazz was always part of Chicago's yeah. blood. You cannot, be, you cannot walk on the streets of Chicago without hearing a nice, a nice classic jazz tune coming out from one of the bars. That was, uh, that was something I experienced uh, and I cherish it because it's not just a movie city, it's also a music city. Yeah. And by music, I mean jazz. Yeah. It's really cultured. Then. Old school, it's very old school. It's not the kind of modern day yeah. hotel lounge uh, jazz you would usually hear. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to all the modern day jazz people. Uh, you know. No worries. But I heard some good ones myself, but yeah. you know, I've always preferred the old school, big band kind of jazz. Yeah. And Chicago had a lot of those, like those speakeasy bars yeah. during the prohibition days. Those, those were retrofitted into you know modern bars. Yeah. You know, people still go there. People still enjoy the ambience. They enjoy the atmosphere. I think that's what makes Chicago a character of its own. That's what, in a way, attracted filmmakers to come and film in their city. So they are appreciated, mm-hmm. and people there support their work. Yeah, and all that. Like you see, like you say, the Dark Knight that was filmed in Chicago. Mm. Like Gotham City, uh, Chicago was doubling for Gotham City. Ah. so that uh, a lot of Chicago landmarks that I personally witnessed. Like, okay, this was. This was in the dark night. This was in the dark night. This was in the dark night. But there's also a lot of other movies also, like The Fugitive and Man of Steel. Yeah, that was filmed in Chicago. Okay. So Metropolis. Uh, sorry, Chicago doubled as Metropolis as well. Right. But but then again, it's always been a movie centric city. Mm. You know, there's a lot of up and coming, say actors, writers, yeah. directors coming from Chicago. Usually they will come from all these. Uh, Acting clubs, comedy clubs. Like I'm not sure whether you've heard of this, but you've heard of a uh, Second City Comedy Club. No. A lot of talent come from there. Tina Fey came from there. Uh-huh. Steve Carell also did a stint okay. from there. And you know, look where they are now. Even okay. even my university. I'm not sure whether you've heard of this actor, uh, John C. Riley. Yeah. Of yeah. He. I believe he did a stint in DePaul University as well, and um, now he's racking off. <laughs> Power. And an Oscar nominee, if I'm Power. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> And uh, I remember that you told me once that you were part of the Chicago Film Festival. I oh mean, no, that was a small part. <laughs> that, uh, uh, that was just me volunteering. Yeah, as, as but still, you were yeah. there to experience the yeah. crowd, how they behave. I mean, because oh, yeah. this is something really alien to like me who have not experienced film festivals, especially overseas film festivals, which is yeah. entirely different from That's a different ballgame. Yeah, that because is. these people, they really treat their art form as... There's something they need to do. Exactly. It's not something. Yeah, it's not something. 
for money or what they just yeah. need to do it to express themselves, right? So I mean, you were there to see these people yeah. really go full on, and yeah, just how so I volunteered. I mean, like what Joey said, I volunteered for the Chicago International Film Festival in October twenty fourteen, and I got possibly one of the biggest culture shocks I've had. In a good way. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Because like before then, I'm like yeah, I watch a lot of uh, movies. I watch in art house theaters. I watch in mainstream theaters. Yeah. You know, it makes no difference to me. You know, movies are movies. But that's the the film festival. That's a completely different ball game. You get to see like a large variety of uh, different crowds for different movies. You know, and that's when you. That's when I realized Chicago is a. A city that's thriving with film lovers in general, mm. like even for obscure films from not say obscure, sorry, some obscure student film, work maybe. Not not student work. Um, it's like an international international films okay. that normally would never uh, see the light of day, like international yeah. distribution and everything. They get shown there very. Uh, they get shown in the film festival very prominently, and the audience is diverse. But at the same time, you can see that they they have taste, hmm. like yeah, they're not they're not yeah. the pretentious kind, not necessarily. They they're the kind who just simply likes good movies. They they will watch it with an yeah. open mind, you know. Yeah. Even, Even if it's bad, so it's like hey, it's yeah. just part of yeah, yeah it's subjective. Yeah. You know whether it's an Israeli film, hmm. whether it's an LGBT film, yeah. whether it's an an African film. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot which country exactly, but I saw this African film called uh, Timbuktu, yeah. which is a very haunting movie about the effects of uh, uh, how do I say? It? Basically, Somali insurgents, okay. not Somali, yeah, yeah. not Somali, African insurgents, uh, just basically terrorizing a village, and how the cycle of violence keeps going around in yeah. a circle. That was one of the best films I've saw that year, and it got nominated for an Oscar. Wow. You know, so and it's when you watch it during the festival. Yeah. Of course, you had no idea how far it would go. All all I knew is that was an excellent film I just saw. Mm. You know, I I I mean I cannot speak for how the academy judges their films, mm. but most of the films that got the biggest audience responses there usually will get an yeah. Oscar nomination. Like that year, and this was before the Oscar nominations came out. That year, the films that got the biggest response that I saw was Whiplash, yeah. Birdman, and. The imitation game. All went to all went to critical acclaim. Look at them now. You know, Whiplash, J.K. Simmons. What an amazing performance! Damn I've good. never seen the audience just erupted at the, at the end of the, at the screening. Also, another episode for that. <laughs> just for us to we just full on love Whiplash yeah. all the way. <laughs> we probably do a breakdown scene to see why we love Whiplash, mm-hmm. Maybe something like that. <laughs> we see how it goes. And cool. I mean, cool. speaking of the like highbrow film cinema, yeah. not just Chicago Film Festival. Because that's held in a mainstream hall, yeah. but the real indie art house hall, the modern one, uh-huh. I've been to this cinema called the Gene Siskel Film Center. I think I heard of it. Yeah, before. Gene Siskel. Actually, Chicago. One more thing that is famous for two film critics, very very well known in America yeah. back in the day. One is Gene Siskel. Yes. One is Roger Ebert. And uh, Roger, Roger Ebert. And Roger Ebert is the critic I listen yes. to to this day. Yeah. Even if I have some disagreements with some of the films that he's talking yeah. about. But he is the one with the highest standard of film that I know of. Uh, if you guys are wondering, if you only check Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb scores, I'm gonna do you a favor like what Rotten did to me, which is introduced to me the Roger Ebert website. 
if you're looking for movie reviews, it's really, really good. They don't just review the movie like, oh, it's a beautiful movie to watch. Oh, it's a well-shot movie. No, they actually talk about how the movie reflects life. And it's just great And it's just amazing how his You can see certain movies From different yeah, points of I view I mean his reviews Basically He's taking his own experiences His yeah. own life experiences And right. using it to compare with the movie Which yeah. is an admirable feat Not many critics do that yeah. And he does it very objectively too, yeah, Because if, even though If he never experienced it He would say it in a very Understandable way that yeah, you just explained his thoughts, so it's really great. But just a note is that he has passed away. Yes, he's and the website is being run by a team. So that he approved of. Yes. But I'll just say that <laughs> different team members have different opinions yeah. because some of them their reviews are like, whoa, take, I don't get it. Take, take them with a pinch of salt, but all of them you can see where they're coming from. Yeah, all correct, of the reviews. Correct. Like he didn't handpick them for nothing. Yeah. They have their reasonings yeah. for so and so. But but I'm getting ahead of myself. But back to your Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. They were like the top critics in top film critics in America, if not Chicago, at the time. So of course the Gene Siskel Film Center uh, opened in memory of Gene Siskel who passed away. I think sometime before that the film center opened. So they show just exclusively. Art house oh, independent oh, films, yeah, yeah. no mainstream there films. Are things at all. That yeah, America for sure. Yeah, yeah especially you know, in Rome. Well. They do, they do. Even Chicago, like other parts of Chicago, they do show that, like the music box. I'm not yeah. sure. That's the real old school movie theater. Yeah. The ones that uh, you get to experience how to go back in the 50s and 60s and watch a movie. That's one yeah. of the few theaters left, classic Man. movie theaters left untouched. The, so that shows, that music box theater shows indie cinemas as well. But Gene Siskel Film oh. Center, another level of its own. Really, they curate their films extremely well. Uh, even there's another f- movie I saw over there. I didn't re- expect that they would show this movie, but it's a Singaporean movie called uh, Ilo Ilo, oh. which is an excellent. They showed a Singaporean movie. This was yeah. back in like what? Two thousand thirteen. Wow. Okay. It's impressive. So then, then the audience was into it. They really enjoyed the film. At first, they were like with the, the curator, man. Whoever that curated the movies went around mm. the world. I mean, they had to, right? Yeah. Either, either they went around the world or they had connections to make them watch all these international movies. Yeah. Oh my god, there's so many movies out there. Just a window to the world. Yeah. You know, cinemas. These cinemas in Chicago. Whereas here is a windows to computer processors. Or what uh, what the powers above say that you can watch. <laughs> That's also another conversation that we will get into. Coming soon. Yeah, because uh we're giving mini teasers. Yeah. <laughs> running a private cinema and dealing with Malaysian audiences has been very fun, I would say. Can we have like an episode just strictly on Badang in Chichak man? Um So <laughs> So yeah, so we're already almost at the, well not almost, but 20 minutes to the hour mark. Um, things are going better than I expected it to be. If you are at this point wondering if you're wearing pants, for some reason I'm thinking about this, yes, we what? are wearing pants <laughs> in this. So okay, I, I came up with a list of other things that could be fun for us to do, other than just sharing our top favourites. I think maybe we can share what is that one movie that we really hate, like you really despise that movie. You, you, you're asking the wrong person because like, even there are some terrible movies which I actually enjoy yeah, in an ironic way. The, the thing is, uh, most movie audiences here don't understand irony. So they just <laughs> want to avoid it as much as they possibly can. 
<laughs> but okay, let's say if you have to pick one, one movie that you know you would not recommend anyone, or or when you just think about it, you just like oh god, I'm not gonna think about it. I'm just gonna bypass it. Or like you know in Inside Out, right. uh, Inside Out where your the characters in your brain actually takes that little memory bubble <laughs> and throws it away. You know that movie, the first movie where your your mini Inside Out characters were just like oh god, this movie and they throw it aside. If you can't, if you need some time to think, then I'll just go first maybe. You you go. Yeah, yeah okay. I, 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 I watch too many to count. So. I think if if any one of you, uh, maybe my friends, has talked to me, you will know that for me it will be Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I really hate that movie. Wow. I mean, okay. To be fair, it's not the worst movie, but because of the marketing hype, because of what it was meant to be, because at that time Marvel was peaking, and DC Warner Brothers was supposed to mount this great comic book rivalry challenge, mm-hmm. and Man of Steel was uh, it was above average. I know some people really love it. I found it above average. I love the music, but anyway, so there was a lot of hype going for Batman vs Superman BVS, and as a comic book fan, BVS in the book, it's huge. You don't mm-hmm. just throw the names just like that. Yeah. Oh my god, those names <laughs> are huge. It's like Britney Spears versus Christina Aguilera for anyone in the 90s. Wow, or Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC or, yeah. or Linkin Park. It's huge. You yeah, just they're, they're, the iconic, they're iconic. Yeah. And in, in the recent times, I don't queue for movies. I really dislike queuing for food or anything. But this movie, well, I have some really gung-ho friends who wanted to watch it. And they dragged me to queue it with them on day one, so fine I did it. And there were some DC fans who were really geeking out. I was geeking out because the hype was so yeah. big. And when I watched it, oh my lord. Oh I, my. I, that was, I think, the only time I ever felt angry in the cinema. Especially wow. when, I don't know if this is spoilers or not, but spoilers warning, he, that Mata scene was just nuts. I, I really felt a burning rage in me when that scene played out, okay? I really felt angry and I I'm not someone who gets angry often, I really don't. Mm. Not even when I disagree with politics or whatever else that happens in the world. But this was just nuts, man. I, I can see some people hating yeah, the scene. I hated the scene! <laughs> oh my god, no, that was scene. really... I don't know, is that a word worse than cartoonish? I don't know, I felt like I was cheated. I felt like the, the filmmaker... I'm sorry if this is too harsh, but I really felt like he felt the audience was stupid and he oh, felt hell. like, yeah, sure, maybe I can get away with this and he just did it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like I always said, if, even if you get a, an amateur writer just to think about it, to work on the script, I'm pretty sure someone out there along the way would have said, hey, maybe it's not such a good idea to, to say this, the Mata sequence. Oh my god. And right after that, Batman says to Superman's mother, Hey, I am your son's friend. Oh god, after beating the life out of each another for 15 minutes, uh, I just cannot. So that is, that is my most hated movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe Zack Snyder was dying, looking at the script. Okay, what is Superman's mother's name? Martha Kent. Wait, isn't Batman's mother's name Martha too? Oh, God, no. I don't know lah. I mean, I'm sorry. Genius! I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you like BBS, but I really can't. I, I can go on and on about certain scenes, about why it doesn't make sense in any way. I know I heard the director's cut. Delton watched the director's cut. A lot of YouTubers did, and they say it's 
it's it's better, better yeah. it, it's, it's more cohesive than but the theatrical there is still so much of it that does not make sense <laughs> I can really just break it down scene to scene and oh god <laughs> okay so like yeah I'm done <laughs> I just uh, want to uh, go uh, I, can, I can see I can sense the rage for you but yeah, wow. yeah I cannot <laughs> I mean that was the movie that made me feel like I'm never going to be cheated watching two or wasting two hours of my life ever again because it's just ridiculous I wasted <laughs> yeah. two hours I paid good money for a day one ticket and like a midnight show wasted my sleep at 30 years old sleep oh, is really important yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I cannot I just cannot be BBS um, yeah yeah so back to you yeah. your hated movie <laughs> okay well I have a lot of movies that I did not like just one one but just one okay this isn't the worst movie I've ever seen but it definitely was the one that left me like you said, the angriest. Yeah. And that movie was A Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> that was, oh, uh, because, I mean, as Joey knows, I am actually a big 80s, 90s action movie fan, in addition to me being a, a very extreme cinephile. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so Die Hard was like one of the pivotal action Bruce franchises Willis, of my high school. Like, you know, Bruce Willis, man, John McClane, you know, yeah. the cop at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was an action icon. He was one of my movie heroes. But like you always say that was when Bruce Willis still cares. Yes. About and, what and, he and, and I think that's an entire episode dedicated to that. Yes. I think we should do one episode about <laughs> with him talking about 80s action movies today. <laughs> we, we just go one by one with all the 80s yeah. and what they're doing with their career today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, back to yeah, Bruce Willis is an episode by itself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Die Hard. Uh, so Die Hard 1, of course, one of the best action movies of all time. Yeah. Die Hard it 2. Is, Die Hard 2, underrated sequel. I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people hate that movie, yeah. but I like it. I think it's also, also very well crafted. Yeah. Of course, Die Hard with a Vengeance, excellent sequel. Excellent, excellent sequel. I cannot say this enough. Please watch it. Die Hard 4.0, or in America, it's known as Live Free or Die Hard. I was okay with it. I don't hate it. I don't think it's great. But it's like, it's harmless summer movie fun. It's PG-13, but John McLean, in a way, is still John McLean. So when number five came out... Hold on, hold on. But before <laughs> before you go to number five, before it goes downhill, <laughs> I, I, I really want to show you how good Die Hard 1 was. Is I remember a few, few months back, I had a very young couple that came in and they said, oh, they love action movies like John Wick because it's modern, right? And right, they're young. Yeah. So they really like John Wick. Uh, they watched The Raid. Uh, which is really impressive already and mm-hmm. so they asked me for a good uh, action movie they watched Terminator they watched which Terminator because if you said one and two one and two okay, yeah. <laughs> so then they asked me for a recommendation for an action movie and then Die Hard came to my mind and I recommended Die Hard and wow they were mind blown they were, they were so into it. yeah they were into nice. it they really said that wow man action back then <laughs> and action now is so distilled when you compare it Back then, I mean, I guess because they don't have laws or insurance to protect them. <laughs> so they just couldn't, they just do whatever they wanted to do. They throw trucks, they blow things up for real. Mm-hmm. What is CGI back then? I mean, a broken bone is like, yeah, sure, it's part of the job. Uh, it's just insane. Yeah, so yeah, back to you. Yeah, number so, five. you know, like Joey was saying, Die Hard, is, Die Hard 1 by itself is one of the greatest action movies of yeah. all time. There's a reason why it's being, still being heralded to this day. Yeah. So when Die Hard 5 came out, I'm like, alright, I, I, I want to see John McLean's latest uh, adventure. And I saw it in IMAX. 
by oh, the way. Gosh. Yeah, I saw it. I know like, you know, Double the pain. It's, it's, it's <laughs> die hard. You know, like, I've yeah, never yeah, yeah. seen... Yeah, any, you love Die Hard. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to see a classy 80s action franchise, the yeah. next one, in the biggest screen possible. So I saw it in IMAX. And it was the biggest movie disappointment I've ever had. Uh-huh. Like they treated John McClane like a direct-to-video Steven Seagal character. Uh, no, not Steven Seagal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Steven Seagal... Uh, another topic for another that's time. Another, that's another topic. <laughs> but yeah, but that's... Like, Bruce Willis shouldn't be slumming it like this, man. Uh. He's better than this. What the hell happened to Die Hard? Why does this look like some direct-to-video crap fest? <laughs> Fucking shaky camera, the, the shaky camera chop- equals action. I know, every, every, like every other major franchise is trying to be Jason Bourne, and they they really flopped it up. Yeah. They messed it up. Yeah. The action was so choppy. Some of it was nicely filmed. I'll give them that. Some of the stunts are good, yeah. but the whole movie was a mess. There's yeah. no story. There's no villain. It was stupid. <laughs> it was so so stupid. The only person who looked like he was giving a damn was the music composer. <laughs> That's the I thought you were gonna say Bruce Willis, but no, no, Bruce Willis also uh, some parts. Yeah, I can see he's there, but he's like a shell of himself. Yeah. You know, only the music guy was like, okay, this is Die Hard. Let's yeah. put in some classic Die Hard music there. Like, okay, a big fan, he's trying his best to make yeah. this a Die Hard movie. To some extent, he succeeded, but no man, this is what happens when you. You you just half ass give the director of Max Payne <laughs> and the Omen the, the the remake of the Omen yeah. uh, the Die Hard Five job. As a gamer, the Max Payne movie was a memory I would want to <laughs> if I can. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, it's really ruined the Max Payne. John, I mean John Moore, the director. He's made a movie I enjoyed as a guilty pleasure. Uh, the remake of Flight of the Phoenix. Uh, that one I enjoyed. Okay. But. No, no, you, you, you killed Die Hard. Look, they're not even planning Die Hard 6 uh, anymore. No. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. It's so disappointing when I walked out of the theater. I'm like, what the hell happened to this film? See, if someone says they can't pick a movie that they hate, just push enough buttons and you get. <laughs> and you get <laughs> so much rage. You want to tell them about the Die Hard collection? You left oh, this outside. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in the independent cinema that I run, Emanik, uh, we use Blu ray this. So, when. Delton donated his Die Hard collection to us to add to our library. I so what we do is we keep all our Blu-ray discs in a separate folder so that it won't be stolen or any damage <laughs> can be happen to it. But for Die Hard Five, we just left it in the Blu-ray cover because <laughs> can't be bothered. I don't think anyone's gonna watch it. I will never recommend it to anyone. Use it as a frisbee. Yeah. Use it as a frisbee or a coffee coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just, just, just don't, don't watch it Please don't watch it Oh my goodness <laughs> Okay uh, We are Almost to the hour mark Which is what I'm trying to uh, Keep the episode to Because anything in an hour I feel is a bit too long For a podcast But I think I feel like Man I prepared a few more topics To talk about And I really want part to two, do some uh, Yeah of course Because I'm going to bring in Other people here <laughs> And Again, I would say everyone who comes on this show, you, the listeners, should have some context on why we like certain things or why we hate certain things. You just have to. You can't say you like or dislike something without the, the whys and the hows because then what are we as a human yeah, race yeah, exactly. without, you know? So um, maybe I'll you pick one and really fast without like the whole backstory. Yeah. One film you hope more people will see or, or a film that you personally can relate to so strongly. One of these, just choose one. 
I'll pick one movie which I want people to see more. Okay, uh, and what is it? And I actually have like a list of it. <laughs> But I, I, just one. <laughs> okay, just one. Good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's this war movie, mm. a very old war movie that came out around the same time as the third Rambo movie, and it was also about Afghanistan. Okay. Rambo three was about Afghanistan. That made one hundred million. Is it dollars. the tank? Yes, you know. Ah, oh, yeah. So there's oh, this. Oh, that's true, And I think it's one of the best war movies ever made. Yeah. We're talking about the Beast of War. Yes, yes. 1988. It was directed by Kevin Reynolds. He later made Robin Hood, uh, Prince yeah. of Thieves with Kevin Costner and Waterworld. But I think this is his achievement. Yeah, that show is. It good. is uh, basically about a Soviet tank crew yeah. in Afghanistan. Yeah. As they try to come go across their mission, yeah. they trek across the desert in a hot. In a hot sweltering tank, yes. and tensions run high. Yes. Psychological tensions run yes. high, and one of them basically says, "Hey, what are we doing? We're not, we're not actually supposed to be yeah. doing this. It's cruel." And they beat him up and left him to die. Yeah, and back then, mm-hmm. um, the Afghan war was yeah, the, Afghan, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Yeah, so. Uh, and back then, the whole terrorist was a stigma and all was still really high. Mm. And yeah, that show was great. I remember I watched it by accident and from start to end, I was just caught. I forever. I think it's a basically a very well done story about. It's great. It's not just survival, lah. It's also about the endurance of the yeah. human spirit. How how far are you willing to go to before you can actually break? Yeah. And also. At the same time, there is mutual respect among the group of Afghans who rescued him, yeah. which is part it's of. Really I, I believe it's the Mujah part of the. It's a very really human yeah. story. Yeah. I mean, all yeah. good movies, books, or whatever. That, at the end of the day, it's about the human story. There, there's no actual hero or villain in yeah, the movie. No. You know, like the guy, the the tank crew is just following yeah. orders, except for possibly the leader who's gone insane. Yeah. You know, but again, you you put a normal man in that condition, you're bound to go insane. Yeah. You know, it's just and it's. Shown from a different point of view, it's yeah. not about Americans. Yeah. Uh, technically, the actors are American, but they're playing, you know, Soviet army crew. And the actors are all mm. not known actors. And I mean, they're, they're not known. Act- not to say they're. I mean, they're okay, okay lah. Yeah. But they did a sublime job. Yeah. I'm gonna watch it, and I'm like, wow, these guys are good. Yeah. You really believe they are tanks or just mm. trying to survive? Mm. Uh, just in case anyone didn't hear the name of the movie, what was it again? The Beast of War. Yeah. So if you haven't watched that. Uh, really, really good. For me, the one film I hope more people will watch, and I actually try to push a lot in Emmanik, <laughs> will be Mother. Uh, oh, nice yeah. choice. <laughs> Starring Jennifer Lawrence and uh, what's it? What's it? Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. This movie has got a bad reputation because oh, it yeah. was marketed as a horror movie, and when you do that, you attract the mainstream audience. And half of and it's not a horror movie. So when half of the, well not half, almost all of them who watched it, it hit them. In the blind side, because he didn't make a break. Yeah, they it didn't bother explaining what it was. Mm-hmm. It started at ninety nine miles per hour, <laughs> and it doesn't stop. It just goes full speed and ups the gear, it, ups the gear, ups the gear. It feels like the Darren Aronof- and Darren Aronofsky who wrote and directed it. It's like he put yeah. his foot on the gas the moment the credits start, and he didn't let go. Uh, an example <laughs> I, I like to give to my customers in Emmanuel is that if they watch Black Swan or Requiem for a Dream, right, okay, Requiem for a Dream is very extreme, really, but Black yeah, Swan, Black Swan will be a very easy entry level to Aronofsky, right? So when people who like Black Swan, I will tell them that okay, Black Swan is like he did this, and then the boss told him that okay, this is good, 
And then he's like, his next movie, that boss told him, okay lah, do whatever you want. And he really <laughs> and he just did whatever, whatever he wants. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you watch the movie, all you get is question marks, exclamation marks, and exclamation marks, and more exclamation marks. It's like a ball of, my favourite explanation of mother is, it's a ball of what the fuck that just... Grows and grows and grows and it doesn't stop growing. It's just ridiculous. Are you sure it's a ball and not a planet of what the fuck? I don't even know what it is. Um, try not to go if you're gonna watch it. Again, it's called Mother, with an exclamation mark. Very particular with the spelling there. There's a reason for it. Try not to Google too much because if Old you ball. yeah go in without knowing what it is, you if you want you can watch the trailer I guess. But it's Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. They're really good. You know that you're gonna get a solid movie. But if you know. What it really is about It kind of spoils the fun Because yeah. Guessing what the hell They're trying to say In the show Is just part of the, the experience the moment, There's a certain moment In the movie I saw it in I saw this In a Singaporean cinema Okay And of course Five people walked out Yeah <laughs> I, People walked out in the hall. That's also I another topic We're going to talk about Movies people walked out Before in Malaysia yeah. Oh my god So in the, in the middle of one scene I didn't watch the trailer for Mother at all. I, I just only saw the poster. Yeah. Like, what the hell is yeah. going on? You know, like, so I just went in the theater. I went in blind. And I'm like, okay, I see what he's trying to do. You know, like, I'm not going to spoil anything. But if you've seen Darren's previous film, yeah. right before Mother, uh, you will know what I mean. Yeah. But of course, you. Okay, that would be another topic. <laughs> yeah, when, we talk about, when we talk about movies. That you cannot spoil because it's really hard to talk about a movie that yeah. you cannot spoil. So that's also another topic that I I really want yeah, to do. Yeah, we have to be very discreet. <laughs> We've had so many conversations <laughs> about this. Uh, oh my god, that it really should be talked about, mm. So yeah, those are two movies that we feel more people should watch. Again, it's a the beast, beast of, the beast of war. And mine will be mother, and I guess this is where we will cut off the first episode. Yay. I haven't even thought about how I end the episode <laughs> but yeah if you want to maybe ask us to talk about a certain topic or a movie just hit us up on Facebook Instagram YouTube on Twitter even we are called CC Talk Talk just in case you missed that at the very beginning <laughs> <laughs> and yeah we will get a mic so that the audio quality is much better than this and let us know what else you think feedback would be good uh, I will always appreciate honest feedback so that is it for this first episode and I will say thank you if you actually listen for 60 minutes we're going to do more there's really just so much to talk about uh, man movies and I'm going to bring in uh, about games about books even TV shows and not, it's not all the time about serious stuff sometimes I'm going to talk about Power Rangers or heck Ninja Turtles and what happened to it with Michael Bay and the old Ninja Turtles so much comics even Aliens abduct Michael Bay which made The Rock and put him in charge of making Transformers that's one episode I'd like to talk about you're talking about Transformers <laughs> the, ne- the new Netflix animated Transformers looks really good looks really, really good it's a Gen 1 Transformers yeah wow. full on Gen 1 Transformers in cell shaded animation like oh, you know wow. Borderlands yeah, yeah, something yeah, Borderlands. like Borderlands kind of cell shaded really good and it's from uh, it's, if I'm not mistaken the story is the same with a game that came out a few years back and the game was beloved by the Transformers fans mm-hmm. it's called War on Cybertron or something like that la. oh okay. yeah. so it's a mini series that Netflix just launched I think last week so I'm really mm. looking forward to it Which is also something that I'll get my brother to come on to talk about Because 
He loves Transformers. Yeah, my God, I think there's if there's any hobby that he ever had, it would be Transformers. Even until today. Is he going to talk about the Michael Bay ones? No, because th- I think to him it doesn't exist. <laughs> Unless he wants to throw <laughs> me, and then he will say that. I mean, to me it doesn't exist, and I refuse to talk about it on this show. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's about it. I really hope that by the next time we come on again, we will have a mic, and I figure out how to set it all up, because. Like I said, we have no experience doing this. Oh yeah. So good luck to me editing this, and I hope it won't be too painful on your ears <laughs> to listen to. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you and goodbye.